Listener Production. You are listening to episode 167 of the Howie Games Part B featuring legendary Indian cricket broadcaster Harsha Bogle. Play. As I said, by the time this comes out, it will be finished, but this is the first World Cup I've ever worked on. Um, first of many. Well, it's in Australia, so I, th- I think they saved an airfare hardship. But there's, you know, there's 25 listed, and it's probably you and me and a couple of others that haven't played at least 50 test matches for their country. Natalie, maybe. So, and that's probably, yeah, Nat, who's a superstar. So there's probably three of us that haven't played 50 test matches for their country or the, or the equivalent in the women's or game. Or a first-class game in my case. Well, no. Well, you know, I, me playing for Bowenhead C grade probably doesn't qualify on that level. So ha- how did you go early doors? Who were the, some of the people you sat next to? When I first started doing it, I sat next to Ricky Ponting and thought, heavens above, how can I be sharing a commentary box with this man? When you were finding your way, who did you sit next to and question whether you had the ability or talent or skill required to broadcast with such a person? One of the big advantages of being of my vintage is I came in before the cricketers did. Okay, right. So, so they were when proper television came to India. Yeah, and uh, it's not that the television earlier was was wrong, but it meant you got a whole series. It was it was in '93? Okay. And Ravi had just finished playing, but he, he was playing his last season of first class cricket. Sanjay was still playing. Ravi Shastri, yeah. Sanjay Mandraka, and 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 Gavaskar was the only other person in. So I actually came in before the cricketers era at a time when it was still believed. And I still think that is the best form of any media coverage where you have a caller and a summarizer, a caller and a summarizer, because they're distinct skills. Yes, very different. A striker and a non-striker. So I've always called myself the non-striker in the commentary box. My job is to rotate the strike. I, I come and strike, I take a single, I watch the game from the other end, which is how I played my cricket. So I've always believed that to be the case. But initially, so, so by the time the cricketers came in, I'd done a little bit. Life changed when I had to start hosting, but I had no idea what being in front of a camera was. I never heard a year had anything in my year when I did my first game. I was told the day before you're hosting. Uh, no, I was told a week before, but I landed about a day before. I didn't have, in, in Mumbai, who has jackets? I had, Do one, I? I had one blazer. So I went out to buy jackets to the only shop that was next to us. I bought, they only had double-breasted jackets. <laughs> you would have looked sartorial. A double-breasted jacket. I had no idea what a earpiece was. And people don't understand how many people talk to you yeah. during a hosting of a cricket broadcast. You've got the director, you've got the producer, you've got the DA. You, you know, there's a lot of people And, and we're not to. of the Mark Howard generation where there's a studio. No. So you go to where the cameraman is right. for the pre-show. That means you're in the middle of the crowd. Right. In the crowd? And in the middle of the crowd. In your double-breasted. And the crowd is telling you what they think of you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I had that experience on radio earlier as well because yeah. radio was in the middle of the crowd. So people, I was used to hearing what people thought of you. But you had, to, you had to do all that and you just learn. But, but then what happened? Because I'd done that for a year or two, I was doing what the cricketers weren't. So I had a role there. I was number six maybe, but I was a specialist number six. So that, that, was, that was a big advantage. But one day I sat down and I said, am I batting with Gavaskar? And Gavaskar goes over the top and that's century number 32. Am I batting with with Greg. Successive boundaries there now taking Tony Greg, really the master of the situation at the moment. Am I batting with Boycott? Jeffrey Boycott, 100-100 and the place to get it in the middle of a test match against Australia on his home ground at Headingley. If I'm batting with them, then I need to check my, my batting credentials. Hmm. But I'm broadcasting with them. Great way of looking at Am it. Am I doing something that they cannot do? 
is there anything that I cannot, that they cannot do or will not do? And I said, I've got to be the hardest working person in the box because I have to know the odd fact. I have to know the nerdy fact. I have to know enough about them to make them look better so that they are happy working with me. And I still remember in 93, Gary Francis, who's here, by the way, Gary sat me down for an interview and said, how would you be able to work with Boycott? And I said, I don't know. I don't know him at all, but I'll, ba- I'll play in the V. I'll, I'll play safe till I get to know him better. And ESPN star was fantastic for me. But I think the day I realized, the, the two big turning points for me, one when I realized I'm not playing cricket with them. So I don't need to be as good at playing the game as them. Even today, I see the game and they see the game and they see things that I do not see. Yes. But I do not tread into their territory. I do not pretend to see what I do not see. And I think that's critical for people like us. But can we do what they cannot do? Yes, because we're grounded. It's not that they aren't, but we've been the common fan. And so we understand what the common fan wants to know. So sometimes they might say, that's a silly thing. We know about this. It's not, it, it might be silly for you. It isn't for the person watching. Sitting at home on the couch. The other thing I learned not to be afraid of making mistakes. Because if you're afraid of making a mistake, you will. If you make a mistake and you say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And people say, oh, he seems a decent guy. Mm-hmm. You know? So don't be afraid to make mistakes. And don't worry about how much cricket you've played because you're not there to play cricket with them. You're broadcasting with them. It's a, it's a so. great explanation. We, we, we mentioned... Kerry, when's the first time you sit? <laughs> you, you say Kerry and I start to laugh. Well, I know, and that's the great thing about the man. First time I worked with Kerry, I promise you, know, I could not pick up his accent, much like Peter Roebuck. I'm right. working with Peter, and Peter had this rasping style, part English, slowly Aussie influence coming on. It took me a little while to pick up Peter's accent, and then Peter became a great friend and was a huge, huge loss He was when, when he went. Um, not at the same level as Warney. Warney was at a different level. But, uh, and then there's, there's Kerry. And Kerry, I, I'm looking at Kerry and I said, I said to him on air once, I said, Kerry, you're a one-man band, aren't you? <laughs> it's like you in your early days, two hours by yourself. No, but he's a one-man band because he tells the joke. He, he appreciates the joke. He laughs at the joke. You don't need anyone else alongside. <laughs> and he, he is so Aussie. I mean, he came to India on an Indian schoolboys tour in 60, uh, Aussie, Australian schoolboys tour in the mid-60s. Yeah. But the great thing about Kerry is, and I discovered that with a lot of Aussie broadcasters, is they will come hard at you, but they take as they give. So if you got back at Kerry, I mean, I, I once talked about Warney and I said, Kerry, what about, what about your leg spin? <laughs> he said, I never turned the ball and he could take a joke on himself. <laughs> yes, he would. But Kerry was, and at one point, well, Kerry, I'm Indian. I do not understand your Aussie references. <laughs> And, but Kerry was great fun. He, he told me once, if I had got a dollar for every time people asked me about you, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. It was only because we were that different. But you were a great combo. You're like Bill and Tony. You, oh. You're different, but that's what worked. We laughed. We laughed. I would actually come prepared for a line with a line for Kerry sometimes, and he would then <laughs> laugh his head off. But he was so funny. He was very, very funny. You, 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 you've had that, as I said, I, I want to get to fame and how you've dealt with that now and what that's like at home. But I was looking back at some of the moments you've called. Um, I saw you calling Jason Gillespie bring up his 200. It's four runs, he's got 200. Oh, 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 he's got 200. Jason Gillespie is running all the way down. He's scratching himself. He's enjoying himself. Well played, Jason Gillespie. 201 not out. Everybody's laughing and they have declared he's coming back like a Roman warrior. 
He's just slain a hundred dragons and he's walking back. Isn't that a great moment? Oh dear. It's funny because Star has the rights to cricket in Bangladesh. And so I'm on contract with Star. So he said, there's two or three of us are going to do Australia versus Bangladesh. I think Jeff Thompson was the Aussie commentator there. A bit of a loose cannon on air. Every day up and down the stadium, I got to know a side to Tomo <laughs> that I did not believe existed. Right. This soft-spoken, well-mannered, <laughs> almost spiritual thinking Jeff Thompson, so far removed from the image I had mm. of, of Jeff Thompson. So we're there. And Gillespie comes out as a night watchman and either that night or next morning runs out Ricky Ponting. Yes. And then he just went on. And I, we all got taken in by the excitement of the batsman. And I remember he passed 153, which was Mark was highest test score. <laughs> and, oh, it was so much fun. And he just went on. You know how it is. You think, okay, right, he'll play another half an hour. We can play another half an hour. And he goes on to get 200. And I don't think he batted again. But the humour, no, he didn't. That was the end yeah. of him. But the humour in your voice perfectly encapsulated the bizarre nature of the fact Jason Gillespie was making 200 in a test match. But, you know, I, 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 I knew him not very well, but I knew him a little bit. He's a fun guy to chat with. But we could see the excitement in him and our job as broadcasters is to relay what we are seeing. Yes, yes. And I could see, I think there was only one person on the ground who was convinced that Jason Gillespie could not score a 200, and that was himself. <laughs> and as he went past landmarks, you could see he was like a child in a candy shop, just, you know, excited. So our job as a broadcaster is to relay the excitement that we see. And it, it became a bit of a joke because we were starting to count all the great Australian batsmen he'd gone past. That he'd gone past. Mark was still not happy about 153, that 153. <laughs> I remember the number. It was, it was fabulous. It was like calling Anil Kumble's first test 100. And as he got to his 100, you know, one, he never got 100. Yeah. Wani was playing cricket in England at the time and Chapelli was with us. And if, and as he got into his 60s, Chapelli messaged Wani and said, he's into his 60s, mate. And he said, ah, no chance. He said, he's into his 70s. And, and Chapelli would then read out what Wani was responding to. As Kumle got into the 80s, Wani said, get Chris Tremlett on. Get, get the big guy to ball bounces at him. Get him out. As he got into his 90s, now Wani's somewhere in Hampshire and Chapelli, the Aussie doing Indian broadcast, are not having these messages going to and fro, you see. And at 97, he slipped. He almost fell over. It was the most comical shot, but he got an edge that went past slip for four. <laughs> And the dressing room just erupted because he's a popular cricketer. Yeah. But the back story was that one, he's never got a test hundred. No, no, He said, run him out, run him out. <laughs> Talk to me about Sachin Tendulkar. Yeah. Uh, you, you called his last moments yes. in test cricket, which, which we'll get to in a moment. But I haven't seen him in India. I've been told stories by Gilly or, or Ricky or Brett Lee about the size of the man, but I still don't think I get a, a grasp for the scale yeah. of the love for Sachin in India. No, you wouldn't. I was very lucky to have known him since he was 14 years old. Was he unbelievable at 14? He was a talk of the town. At 14? At, because he'd already hit 800 runs, 800 and something runs in school cricket, out only once. At 14. Yeah, he did two, two triple hundreds. As you and, do. And they had that partnership of 600 runs, him and Vinod Kambli. Oh, Kambli, of course. And that partnership was broken only because the coach had told them to declare overnight and they hadn't. <laughs> and the coach worked in a bank, right? 
So they had to go at every at the end of every session to tell the coach what the score was. Call him up from a public call office <laughs> and call him up. So Vinod Kambli went and called him and he said, you're still betting. He said, declare now. <laughs> so, and then he came across and started walking around the outfield asking them to declare. But the two boys wanted to keep on betting, you see. <laughs> so they didn't look at him oh, until the message, and message went out. So I, I knew him. I got to know his family very well. I did a story, I did an article for him on him in 1987-88 saying, is this the greatest schoolboy cricketer ever? Huh. But what Mumbai did at that time was they literally protected him. So at 14, he was put into the uh, Mumbai Ranji Trophy team at 14. He, he wasn't picked to play the 11, but they ensured that he went out at every drinks break. And then in just after that, there was the, the Indian team was playing in Mumbai. Dilip Sarkar was captain and he asked... Kapil Dev, if Sachin could come and bat in the nets. And Kapil Dev bowled to him. This is, this is how a city looked after its, its brightest talent. And he got 100 on his on Ranji Trophy debut. He got 100 on Dulip Trophy debut. I called his 100 in the Rani Trophy debut. He was picked that night to go to, uh, to, go to Pakistan. And Sanjay Manjreko, who was on that trip, tells me that one of the things we had to tell him was, you're now playing at a level where you have to respect the bowler. Because he didn't know what that was. Because <laughs> he hadn't faced anyone good enough. Respect a bowler. Wow. This, this is Vasim Akram bowling at you. Wow. So, because, so I saw him grow from 14. And in an era before mobile phones, when I visited him, I said, look, I tried calling you up, but how do I get his number? His number's in the telephone directory. Do you remember telephone directories? Yeah. You do? Yeah. I didn't know you were that. We had the old white pages at yeah. home. So you could just look up Tendulkar? Look up, no, his father. Oh. His father's name was in the telephone directory. His father was a professor. So you, you, could, you could pick that up and call him. So he said, okay, let me, let me show you what happens. So he put the phone down and it started to ring. Then after a while, he put it down again and it started to ring. It, it just rang all day That's because, because the number's in the phone book. Okay. But the one thing that I think was most important for him was he, he remained grounded throughout. Did he? Yeah. The one line I've used everywhere for him was he was the master of the game, but behaved like he was a servant. Huh. And in his house, in his family... They never let that hundred or whatever go to his head because they said, as soon as you make the hundred in test match cricket, we get a little box of sweets at home and the hundred is over, it's gone. We never talk about that hundred again. So when he came to Sydney to make that 241, the one mm. who understood his game the most is his elder brother, Arjun, who was his coach from the time he was, took him to the first nets and whatever. And it was Arjun who told him, look at all your dismissals so far, the bowler's not got you out. Put the cover drive away. Yeah, so because the bowler's not got you out, you've got yourself out. So prevent yourself from getting yourself out. So how do you do that? How am I getting out and playing outside off? Okay, I won't play outside off for the whole day. Sort of Ganguly told me a story of, of Tendulkar in South Africa, just in the morning of the game, suddenly having a little net and batting with a different stance. And he said, what are you doing? He said, no, this Dale Stain is a very good bowler. And I think I need to make this adjustment to play him. And sort of said to me, that would take me a couple of weeks. Huh. And he just said, I think that's the way to play Dale Stain. Because I think at that level, him or Alara, even a Ponting, they just see the game very differently. And in your conversations with him, he would recall something that happened 10 years ago. Not just what, how the batsman got out, but what the field was, where the fielder had just moved, why he played that shot, what the bounce was. He just remembered everything. He just remembered everything. But if you message him, if I message him today, I'll get a reply saying, how are you? And I had this tradition if on his on his birthday, wherever he was, I'd send him a fax message. Fax had come back. <laughs> send him a fax message. But yeah, we got to know each other. We got to know each other. And so when that when that retirement thing came, everybody in India was crying. 
everybody in India. And you, that is when you realized what he meant to India. So Tendulkar wasn't a cricketer. Tendulkar was the awareness that an Indian could be the best. And so he gave everybody hope and confidence, saying that if Tendulkar can be the best, we too could be maybe. Hmm. And I still remember Ajesh, a young producer who was, was on the ICC now, he was a young producer then, and he said, would you mind doing this last stint? And I said, would I mind? So this is the last stint of Sachin Tendulkar's test career? The test is about to get over. Yep. West, West Indies are betting. It's about to get over. And I'd, I'd earlier gone and done a stint with, I'd done a live interview with his wife, who I also knew pretty well, Anjali. And Anjali said, uh, he might go out of the game, but how can I get the game out of him? I don't know what he's going to do because that's been, that's been his life. So I knew the family and I knew what it meant to him to give up the game. So before he did it, he actually walked, he had forgotten. He walked to the ground afterwards and bent down and offered prayer to the 22 yards at the one carry and came back hmm. saying, but I knew he was going to do that. And Bish was with me. And I'll tell you little things that happened. Bish is with me. Ian and, Bishop now. Yeah, Ian about. Bishop is with me. And he spoke one sentence throughout and he just said, you. Because he said, you know this better than I do. So he spoke one sentence in the last stint of the... In, uh, well, once the game was over. As he was walking around. As he was walking around. On, on the walk around, Bish doesn't speak a single sentence. And he said, no, you know this better. And you know good things happen to good people? Carlos Brathwaite hits four sixes. Well, cut. Who's an heir? Yep. But that day, he said, it's your moment, you know it better. And I thought because I knew what, as a common man, what Tendulkar meant to the people. This is a spectacle. I cannot remember a time... When somebody retired from the game, somebody's finished with the game. It's now been well over half an hour, 40 minutes since the game ended. Not one person has left. I can promise you, if you, have a, if you had a ticket today and you didn't come, you have no idea what you missed. To me, one of the greatest aspects of Tendulkar is cricket. It's been a wonderful journey to have seen him from the time he was 14, 15 years old. It's just been the enormous dignity with which uh, he's carried himself. Tendulkar's the master of the game, make no mistake about it. And I was emotional too. So I was just Were able you? to... I was a little bit because I'd known him since he was 14 years old yeah. and I knew the moment was going to come. And he said afterwards to me, he said, I went out with a little piece of paper because do you remember we had, there was one other uh, function where Tendulkar had, had to thank people and he forgot to thank his wife. Yes, yes, yes. And he said, I remember you came across and told me you've forgotten to say Anjali. So he said, I remember the night before that you had told me that. So I sat down and made a list of all the people I had to thank. <laughs> I didn't want to forget anyone. But he's, he's a lovely man. He's, he, was, he was very grounded. I think I think um, they're great descriptions, but I think my favourite line I've ever heard in cricket, and I wrote it down to get it right, uh, it's attributed to you when Tundoka was going through a rare mere mortal quiet patch and you described him as, here's an emperor walking the streets like a common man. So th there's broadcasting and then there's catching a moment with words that here's an emperor walking the streets like a common man. Uh, that's... Um, Beautiful, harsh. That's quite poetic. That's that's a wonderful description of what he was obviously going through at that period. Yeah, I don't remember uh, exactly the time when I said. I remember I said it. Yeah, he got a hundred in that game, I think, but it was a phase when the ball was behaving very naughtily, and he was getting hit on the shoulder. He was getting hit on the thigh. He was getting. And I asked him afterwards. We we speak in Marathi when we speak to each other. And I said, "Ha, Sachin, nahi." I said, "This this wasn't Sachin." I said, "What happened there?" He said, no, I knew that I had to survive those two hours. Because if I survived those, I knew there was a hundred coming after. <laughs> so he said, it was my job to survive those two sessions. And I remembered what Martina had once said, Martina Navratilova, she said, how good are you when you're playing ugly? How good are you when, the, when things are going against you? 
So he was willing to do that because he knew what was what was coming later. So yeah. I don't know. Sometimes the words just happen as they do for you, Harvey. Sometimes you get them right, and but sometimes you look back and think, "Oh, I can't believe I did." I, I've done a lot of those. Do you do you beat yourself up when you get it wrong, or have you done that much of it? It's like, okay, there's another match tomorrow. There's another moment tomorrow, or do you get back and think, no. oh, "I can't believe that"? How, how do you, you deal with when you've been less than what you hope to be? If you don't beat yourself up, then being less than what you should be becomes an acceptable solution. Hmm. And so don't don't kill yourself, but tell yourself that's a kick up the backside that I've got. Sometimes there's a voice inside you that tells you whether you're right or wrong, and the voice inside you hasn't learned to lie. It always tells you the truth. And sometimes you get a little kick up the backside when you start to get a little ahead of yourself, you get a little arrogant or you get a little too cocky, and you're little and there's a voice inside you that tells you do not down that path. And if you can hear that, if you can feel that kick up the backside when you commit a little mistake, it just brings you back. It's not that we don't make mistakes, but all the mistakes come out of innocence. Sometimes you make a mistake because you're getting too cocky. That voice tells you, here's a kick up the backside. So you have to hurt because otherwise it will become an acceptable solution and you'll do more and more of it. More of Harsh in a moment. We have been fortunate, very fortunate, to feature all sorts of cricket folk on this podcast, including another gun in the commentary box, Ian Smith. Check out Smithy's episode, episode 94 for mine. Smithy is the best in the business. Passionate, excitable, knowledgeable, and always, Smithy is always able to have a laugh at himself. Prior to the World Cup final happening, my favourite piece of commentary involved you, a six and a car. Yes, um... Seddon Park in Hamilton, rental car. Um, normally you can't park there anyway because um, they, they rope, rope those streets off. They're so close to the ground. But because it was just a domestic game we're televising, able to park right outside the ground. Uh, and so Jesse Ryder hit this thing, um, big hitting Jesse, straight over uh, sort of deep mid-wicket and bang, straight into the side of this car. And it was like the rental car that I'd rented and I'd parked it. <laughs> Oh, that's out of the ground. That's gone. It's downtown. It's on my car. It is. I think it hit my car. Don't believe it. Ah, oh, the downside of getting a park so close. <laughs> so, to be fair, it exactly happened as it unfolded, and I thought, it's my car. You know, in my head, I was thinking, it's my car. And actually, as I said, as I was thinking it, I actually said it. Hell, it's my car. Uh, and it was, it was, it was but, bizarre. But then you, drop, then you drop in there, oh, but it's a rental. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a rental. Yeah, it was a, it's a rental. Oh, no. Did you pay insurance? No, it's a rental. Oh, I believe it. That is Ian Smith. <laughs> He's a good man. Episode 94 of the show. Let's get back to Harsha. We talked about Tendulkar, and that's a whole other level of fame. And be realistic. Give me, give me a realistic answer here. How have you dealt with fame? How have you dealt with being the voice of Indian cricket? I, I, I presume you tell me if you're walking around at home. I'm sure a lot of people, let alone here in Geelong, you know, you're signing autographs downstairs over breakfast. But what what is it like being Harsha Bogle at home or at a Test match? The, the level of awareness about who you are, people wanting to give you their opinions. Very passionate cricket fans. How have you dealt with being this bloke that was doing a radio stint by himself to being the global face and voice of the game? 
there's a very powerful emotion in our lives and that's gratitude. And if you're grateful for what's come your way, and I had no business getting the opportunities I did because it, in, in India, there's 5,000 people are better than you at anything that you do because there's just so many of us. What a wonderful way of looking at it. There's just so many of us. But all my life, I have been surrounded by people who've been better than me. And so I've never ever got this feeling that, wow, I am somebody because at all times, I, I told the management school story. When I went to business school, I saw the, I saw the intellect of the people around me. And I, I, being completely honest, people say, ah, he's being modest. I did not belong in that company. They were, they were doing balance sheets and funds flow statements and, <laughs> and whatever before I, I knew what was happening. And I was saying, how did I get here? So I was in the company of people who were better than me. I went into advertising. I looked at the quality of the creative people around me. And I said, I have got to take this campaign to the client to sell. And if I don't get it right, these outstanding creative people, their work will go waste. But they were better than me at, at what they were doing. And then I got into broadcasting and they're better players than me around. So all my life I've been surrounded by people who are better than me. So where is the cockiness? But also, I think you need someone around you to remind you to stay grounded. And my wife does that. If I, if I, if I ever started to fly, she'd say, you're getting arrogant. Be careful. Right. Straight down. Yeah, straight, straight up. Just straight talker. She will tell me straight up front. And because it's a relationship that's built on, on, on respect and trust, then I accept what she says. I say, okay, that's what you think. Because in India, when you get known, then a lot of people are, are, will say nice things about you and will want to surround you and only say nice things and want a piece of you. And it's very easy to get lost. It's very easy to start believing what people are saying about you, whether or not it is true. So I've actually probably gone too hard the other way, but I'm very happy. I'm very happy being that way. But you do get used to things. I mean, if, if you go into a hotel, they'll give you a better room sometimes. That's why we're in the penthouse here in Geelong. Yeah, we're in the penthouse. <laughs> if this is a penthouse, I don't want to see the normal room. <laughs> <laughs> no. So. Hey, um, I won't take up too much more of no, your time. No, it's okay. Um, the passing of Andrew Simons and Shane Warne has been a really difficult period for a lot of people yeah. in Australia and around the world. I know Andrew was loved for his time in the IPL and he started there at, um, I think, Deccan with Gilly. And, uh, but, but Shane, his exposure to the Indian people was probably a whole other level past Andrew. Um, I'm sure you watched a lot of what was happening here in Australia. How was the passing of Shane received in India? In the cricket community, with shock and sadness. I, I did not believe it. Because there are a couple of instances when I'd been told that somebody had passed away. I was actually on air and resisted saying that somebody had passed away. And it was just an instinct. And it was good because they actually had it was false news coming. And you get this false news coming from time to time, especially on social media, they keep knocking off people all the time. Mm. <laughs> so I, I refused to believe. I said, no, that can't happen. And then when I, it started to come up on, on the proper news channels and whatever, I said, no, man, I, I knew Warney lived on the edge. We all knew things about Warney. Be if, because Warney lived on the edge was because Warney, is because that's why he was a genius that he was. But I, I, I got to know Warney. All, all of us have a Warney story. Warney had this ability to let you believe that you knew him very well, even if you'd met him a couple of times. So I've got this picture from one of our Fox studios of Warney carrying a whole plate of fries. And I said, Vaughn, you and I, and he posed for me with the fries. Why? Wow, that's Shane Warne, right? Yes, it that's is. That's Shane Warne. Yes. And when he was with the Royals, 
I still remember one. He, he's with the Royals. He's still Shane Warne. I've got to know him a little bit. I don't, I'm not pals with him. I, I know Shane. And I saw him in a quiet corner smoking. And he noticed that I'd seen him, but I, I didn't want to tell him that I'd seen him. So I was just walking away. He said, ah, come over, mate. And I sort of come over and he's, he's having a chat and Robin the Jade just going past there. And he said, That's, he said, that kid's going to be a rock star. He loved you, Daiji, didn't he? He said, that kid's going to be a rock star. And he said, do you know him? I said, no, I just know him. Under he called him over. And he said, ah, oh, mate, meet Harsha. And you could see the look on Jadija's mm. face. And that's you, what he called him, the rock star. Yeah, called him rock star. Yusuf Patan told me that he'd had a very bad game one day and he's sitting in his room and there's a knock on the door at about 11.30 at night or 12 o'clock at night or whatever, sometime. And he said, there's Warnie standing outside the door. And he said, you know, he sort of stiffened up and said, yes, sir. And he said, just want to tell you that one guy doesn't lose a game, mate. The <laughs> team loses a game. It's not one guy loses a game. And for, for Yusuf, for Ravindra Jadeja. So during the IPL, I think it was during the IPL, and I'm doing a thing with, with, with Jadu, post-game, he'd got something. And the only thing he said was, don't ask me about Shane Warne. I said, I said, he loved you. He said, yes, but I might get emotional. Mm. So he had this ability to relate to young people. Swapnil Asnodkar. You probably never heard of him. No. Little four-foot-something, five-foot-something opening batsman for Rajasthan Royals. Now, for Swapnil Asnodkar's family, for him to be playing the same team as the great Shane Warne is something else. So he says, my family is very keen. So Warne goes to the house for, for a meal. He went there? He went to Swapnil Asnodkar's house for a meal because he knows what it meant to young Swapnil Asnodkar. So Warne was that kind of person. There's one time I saw Warne genuinely emotional. He always came across as, ah, oh, no, confident, I don't like coaches. I'm, I know. Mm. Because... He didn't need a Buchanan. Someone else did. Warney didn't need him. But Warney didn't understand that someone else might need a John Buchanan. When we were together, that last test match in Sydney in 2018 might have been rained off, but Kuldeep Yadav had got five wickets. Yes. Now, Warney is in love with anybody who turns his arm, turns his finger, wrist yes. one way. Yes. And Kuldeep Yadav was a lifelong Warney fan. Warney stopped by in the morning and had a chat with him. Now, Kuldeep is bombarding him with questions every day and one is sitting down every day and answering his questions. At the post-match presentation, were you doing the presentation? Yeah, I don't know if no, you were. I think it was, it might have even been a spider cam interview when he was walking off harsh because he'd just taken five for. He'd taken five and he said, it is a great day for me because my idol is sitting in the commentary yes, box. Yes, I and remember I'm sitting this. in the commentary box with Vonnie. I think it might have been you, me and, and might Shane. Might well have been. Yeah. And Vonnie is sitting there and I thought... This is not the hard talking. Oh, it's a great story. He's getting emotional and he was so excited. This is Shane Warne, 700 wickets, getting excited that this little kid's calling him the idol. There was that side to Warney that he sometimes allowed you to know. It's a story, I'll, I'll tell you just one story about Warney that I've told do. a couple of other people. Please do. My son has started a website. He's starting, he's trying to do something on his own. And it's not easy to start your own website and get it running. And I, I just had a warning. I said, warning, it would mean the world to him if he could have you on his website. He said, sure, mate, just tell me when. <laughs> and he goes and does a 20, 25-minute, half-an-hour interview with my son on a, on a tiny little website. What a star. And I remember saying when he passed away that one day I'd like to do something for Warnie's family because he did something for my son and that meant such a lot to him at that point. So maybe I'd like to do something for Brooker Jackson someday if I have the capacity because Warnie touched you that way. Warnie could have said, no, man, I'm not busy. But here's a young kid and, he, and my son comes back and says, he spent 25, 30 minutes with me. 
He, he could do that. One, he was uh, one, he was something else. And we've had a huge differences. But the big Aussie thing that I've always learned is if you have differences with people, it doesn't mean you don't like each other. No. You can come hard at each other. It doesn't mean you don't like each other. So yeah, it was Vaughny, but that, that year I did with Fox, there was Michael Vaughn from England and there's Shane Vaughn from here and there's Gilly and there's Mark Ward doing commentary. Mark was an experience in itself. <laughs> he just put the microphone down one day and I said, okay, what next? He said, how are you going to take a wicket of that field? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if Kerry and I call him Frank, as in he's very frank with what he yeah, says, we call him yeah. Frank War and that's the genius of the man. That's why you must listen to him because but, he says it how it is. But he has what we in India call a kida, which is he just loves the game. He does. He does. Harsh, I've taken up so much of your time. No, that's okay. We always finish this podcast the same way, and I could speak to you for another three hours, but I know you've got 19 other commitments. We always finish this the same way. We are very blessed on this show, Harsh, to have a lot of young people listening. Mm. For young people wanting to achieve success in their field, you've been very successful in your field. It might be broadcasting or it might be playing cricket or it might be being a chemistry major or it might be playing the piano. From your experiences that you've learned, what would you say to the young inquiring minds that want to achieve success in their field? Great man. I think you used a wonderful word, inquiring mind. When you become successful, you start to think you know it all. <laughs> and then the spirit of inquiry and curiosity goes away from you, but never stop being curious, never stop inquiring, never stop being the servant of the game. But when you're on your way up, I think sometimes in India, it's a little different in India because we are at an ultra competitive society because there's so many of us and we get very nervous about outcomes. We are very scared about outcomes. But the Bhagavad Gita says that, everything says that, that the outcome's not in your hands. Just work your backside off. But what's worked, I mean, this, I made a lot of mistakes on my own as well. But we wait for the big moment, Mark. We wait for the day I'm doing Olympic finals. I'm, the day I'm waiting, I'm running the 100 meters final. I'm Usain Bolt. I'm waiting there for, for, my, for my run into immortality. Those things may not happen in your life. They may happen once, but the big things that happen in your life, you don't even know they've happened till they've long happened. And so feel happy with little things. Just, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm seeing India play Pakistan, man. How many people have this yeah. opportunity? Oh, great. I think tomorrow morning, I'm going to have the best, tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to have the best pizza. And just be happy with the little, little things because that allows you to be happy for the next day. And don't worry about outcomes. If you know to yourself that you worked hard and honest, you will make mistakes, so just be happy. But uh, I hope you've got a very good support cast around you. I'm a, I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of families because I, I remember when I went through a very difficult phase in five years ago, 2016, five, six years ago, I discovered the great strength of the family because my boys who grown up now were actually my advisors. <laughs> so when you've got a great family, try and build bridges with families and I'm starting to sound like a grandfather. No, I love it. I love it. Harsh, I was excited about doing this. I hope we get to sit in a commentary box again really, really soon because it's been one of the great privileges of my broadcasting career. We were, we were, you're going to fly the flag for the non-cricketer broadcaster. I am. I am. You with, you, with you beside me leading the way. It's great to see you, mate. Have a wonderful World Cup. Um, may India win for you. May India play Australia in the final. And there that, you that will be fair. Then we might both get a gig on it. But you never know. It's only a game. The sun it rises is. next it morning. Is. Look after yourself, yeah. Harsh. Great to Cheers, see you, mate. Well done. What a voice Harsher has. It makes you want to tune into the TV or draws you into the radio when he's speaking. Great stories. I really loved his description of how he's not there to bat or bowl, but to call the games. Sort of gives us mere mortals something to strive for. Thanks to Harsher. 
the A-team of Tommy, Dars and MJ for doing their thing. Thanks for tuning in. Do me a favour. Do me a favour if you could and recommend the podcast to your crew. That would be wonderful. Until next week with Peter Bowl, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try.